God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Easter changes everything. That's where we left off last week as we talked about the open tomb. The woman going to the tomb and seeing it, it changed absolutely everything for them in that moment. It changed them from being terrified, afraid, tremoring, to tremble at the implications that the open tomb meant for them. It changed everything with the disciples. You see that the disciples ran to the tomb thinking that there was Jesus' body and there it would stay and that there they would have to live the rest of their life without Jesus, but Jesus was alive. It changed. It changed their outlook. It changed what they did because only a week before, you see just who the disciples were. They were only a group of people that, that followed Jesus around, and they believed most of what Jesus taught. They listened to what Jesus said, but they had their ups and downs. Spiritually, they were kind of like adolescents. At one moment, they were excited for what Jesus would have them to do. The next moment, they would back off, scared and terrified. One of their high points in their work with Jesus was when Jesus sent them out, two by two to share the gospel with the towns around them, and they all came back excited, telling them how the gospel had reached the hearts of people who were there, and people listened to them, and they actually believed. And yet then you see the next moment of the disciples, maybe the most important moment of their lives, they dropped. They failed. And when Jesus was being brought to be crucified, where were they? They were there with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and there they fell asleep as Jesus prayed, prayed that this cup be taken from him, and yet when the disciples came, or when the soldiers came to take Jesus away, there the disciples stood, and only a moment does Peter take out his sword and try to defend Jesus, but after that moment there was nothing. All the disciples fled and abandoned Jesus. They're more concerned about their lives and their well-being and their future than sticking with and standing beside Jesus. It even says that one of them ran away and his outer garments fell off of him because he was so scared and so willing to get away from the soldiers and save his life. And then we hear about Peter, the one who was willing to stand up for Jesus with a sword, denying Jesus three times claiming never to know who this person was. That was the disciples. That's who they were. But something changed. In our lesson for today from Acts, we hear of two of those disciples. One is John, likely the guy who lost his garment running away. And the other, Peter, the man who denied Jesus three times. And as we begin to hear about John and Peter, we begin to see the first blossom, the fruits of Easter that are really making root, the implications of what Christ has done in these two disciples and in what they're doing. We begin by, by reading, starting at verse 12 in Acts chapter 3, Peter just healed a man. Him and John were going around and he healed this man who was lame and then he stood up and all the people around them came to see Peter and John and see what was happening. And this is what Peter says to them. 
He says, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy, righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. Here are the terrified, formerly terrified disciples standing in the middle of a crowd where formerly they have found a house and locked themselves in the corner and, and shivered with each other, scared of what might happen. Here they stood up in front of a crowd and they did a miracle. And they used that miracle to address what just happened. Jesus' death. And there was a lot to be addressed. They weren't going to let this just kind of go by the wayside and people just think and, and come up with their own ideas of what happened with Jesus and why it happened. They were going to address this head on and they stood before them and said, don't you think that we heal this man by our own power? This isn't our power. The power that we heal this man with is Jesus' power. And here you see Peter really dig in. The man that you crucified. The man that stood before a crowd, before Pilate, and Pilate saying, I, I don't find anything that is worth crucifying this man. He's innocent. Even Pilate standing up before them, bringing out Barabbas, a criminal, and standing before the people and saying, you choose. Choose who you want. A man who, who simply claims to be God, a man who says he's here for the people of Israel, or a murderer, who do you want? everyone said, we want Barabbas. We want that murderer. Crucify him. Crucify him. Jesus stood there alone. His disciples weren't there staring, standing night, right next to him saying, if you crucify him, you're going to have to crucify me too. They were shut away, locked behind doors. And it was only Jesus. And only the people saying, crucify, crucify. And how ironic it is to see these people's choice. After the fact, Peter brings them back and gives them the scope of everything that was happening. And he says to them, you chose a murderer. Someone who takes life. You chose him to go free versus a man who promised to give life? Think of that. Does that make any sense at all? It shows you just how human nature hates God. It hates him. It wants nothing to do with God, even if he promises all the blessings in the, in the world. It would rather choose death over the life giver, unrighteousness over the one who brings righteousness. And so Peter says to them, Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. They didn't know what would happen. They chose wrong. 
As they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. They didn't understand the, the implications, the broad sweeping implications of who Jesus was and what he had come to do. And so in their ignorance, they actually chose what was worst for them. They chose to crucify Christ, the son of righteousness, God's son. And they chose death instead, literally and figuratively. They, they chose a murderer, and fi literally they chose that they don't believe in the Son of God. They chose not to uphold Christ, but to crucify him. And they weren't the only ignorant ones. The disciples, they were ignorant of it all. If they weren't, they wouldn't have been in that room terrified, afraid. If they weren't, they wouldn't have believed that Jesus was dead and dead for good. If they weren't, they'd have been excited that Easter morning to go see the grave, but they weren't. Jesus stood alone. And we find that the whole world was ignorant. Ignorant of who Christ was. Ignorant of the fact that he came to give us life, and yet we put him to death. You killed the author of life, Peter says. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see now was made strong. He's talking about the lame man who we just healed. It is Jesus' name that the faith that comes through him that give, has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. You begin to see the implications of Easter, the evidences of Easter, through Peter and John, and just the fact that there was probably buzz going on in Jerusalem at this time. Jesus' tomb was empty. In fact, every person believed that. You see, the enemies of Jesus didn't want people to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, so they made up an excuse. They said, the disciples came and they stole Jesus' body. But in making that excuse, they pointed out that Jesus wasn't in that grave. The, the woman, when they went there, they, they went and saw the open grave. They didn't see anyone in there. It was empty. And you can imagine just how the people were talking about what, what happened to Jesus. It, did someone take his body? Was he never put in the grave? Where did he go? He's gone. And you can imagine just the gossip and the wonder of what happened that Easter Sunday. But the fact was, he wasn't there. And Peter says to the people, I can tell you why he wasn't there. Because I saw him for myself. He came before us and he showed us his wounds in his hands and his side. He even ate in front of us. He, he was alive. He even appeared to hundreds of people and you could go ask them. They, they saw him with their very eyes. Jesus is risen. You chose wrong. You were ignorant. You thought your life would be better without Christ in it, but you were wrong. Because without Christ, you could only expect death and no life after. You chose wrong. 
So often, our ignorance comes out in our lives too as well. Certainly we're not there standing yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Certainly we don't say, Let, let's Barabbas go instead of Jesus. But you see the tear and the worry in our lives, kind of like the disciples. Sometimes our ignorance leads us not to experience the joys and the implications of Easter. Sometimes our, our ignorance about what Jesus has done and how much he cares for us prevents us from celebrating the, the very thing that changed this world. It's our ignorance. Picture for a moment all the world's knowledge from beginning of time until now is represented by this circle. If we were to plot our knowledge in this circle, I think we'd be hesitant even to put a dot in there. Because we don't know everything that has happened in this world. We don't know every action, every thought, every conversation. We, we barely know anything at all. And yet we rely so much on our knowledge and our opinions to take action, to do things. And yet we know nothing at all. Now consider how great God's knowledge is. Far greater than all the knowledge in this world. This would only be a speck, if even that, in the scope of God's knowledge. And here we stand before God often saying, I have reason to fear. I have reason to doubt. I have reason to be afraid. He says, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the fact that Jesus has said to you, you don't have to be afraid. Never be afraid again, literally in the Greek. Don't go on being afraid. Peace be with you, he says. Go, make disciples of all nations. You. Sometimes our ignorance leads us to forget the implications of Easter. They're so great. And you see that change in the disciples. You see the disciples before, afraid, scared, doubting. And then you see Peter and John. And you see the rest of the disciples. They were ready to die with Jesus then. After they saw that grave, after they saw Jesus in person, if they heard his promises again, they were ready to stand up next to Jesus and die. Why the change? Because of the empty grave. Because Jesus was risen. He was alive. He showed us what was true. He shows us what is true. As we come and sit here and hear God's word, just like Peter and John got to see and hear Jesus' promises. Here, we see Jesus and hear his promises. We see it through water, the waters of baptism and the word, the sacrament. As he says, this is my body which I've given for you for the forgiveness of sins. We don't know how he does it, but God's knowledge is far greater than our knowledge. And there we see, there we meet Christ. Here's where we hear God's word. 
He comes to us and reminds us of the promises that we don't, never, don't have to be afraid ever again. That he's risen for our sins. And he takes our ignorance and it fades. And we become like the disciples. Not trembling in fear, but trembling with the expectation of what Christ has done for us and confident of what Christ has done for us, confident enough to stand up before the crowds and say, Christ is risen. He is alive. Verse 17, Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that Christ would suffer, Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. We were ignorant of God and his blessings, but God was not ignorant of us. Using even our ignorance for our own good, that day could have been the worst day in history where people killed our Savior. But God took the ignorance of people and he changed it for good. That when they crucified Christ, he saved every ignorant person in this world. He paid for their sins. God's not ignorant of us. He loves us. He cares for us even willing to go to death for those who, who killed him. It's amazing the implications of Easter. That we can stand in confidence knowing that's what our God does for us. If he's willing to die for us, why can't I be willing to do the same for him? If he's given me an eternal future, why can't I invest my, my only temporary life to go and share the implications of the gospel? Why can't I stand up like Peter and John, not trembling in fear, but confident? Those are the implications of Easter. It's not too late. <clears throat> we all have our own ignorance that we live by, but Peter says, it's not too late. Turn to God, repent, and you receive the blessings and the knowledge and the wisdom and the glory and the implications that Easter brought, that that tomb was empty. It's interesting to note that there is more proof for Jesus being alive than most of historical figures at that time. More eyewitnesses, the evidence of the, the empty tomb, it's there. And yet some still in ignorance reject it. And that is foolishness. Here he has given us wisdom through his word and his sacrament. Here he has called us and brought us to be his own so that we repent of our sins, put them aside, leave them behind, and walk towards Christ. Cling to his cross, his forgiveness. 
God is not ignorant of us. Instead, through his word, he brings us out of ignorance. As he shares his word with us, our ignorance fade. May our confidence grow in loving and serving him. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed printed for you on the bottom of page 5 in your bulletin. We confess. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.